Good morning. From the newsroom of the Financial Times, today is Wednesday, March 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, Italy gets ready to sign onto China's contentious Belt and Road Global Investment Drive. JP Morgan Chase says it will no longer provide banking services to private prisons. And former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg decides not to run for president. Then the FT's Karen Stacey deciphers the move by Chinese tech company Huawei to sue the U.S. government. I'm Eric Krupke, and here's the news you need to start your day. Italy is getting ready to join China's contentious Belt and Road Global Investment Drive. The undersecretary in the Economic Development Ministry, Michele Garacci, told the FT that a plan to sign a memorandum of understanding backing the program was on the table. According to Mr. Garacci, Rome intends to formally sign the agreement by the end of March, when Chinese President Xi Jinping is scheduled to travel to Italy. The Belt and Road Initiative is China's plan to finance and build infrastructure in about 80 countries in Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and Africa. But the U.S. and some big European countries are concerned that it favors Chinese companies, that it creates debt traps for states that receive the investment, and that it's being used to further Beijing's strategic military influence. Italy's support for the BRI would be the first endorsement from a G7 country and founding member of the EU, and it would undercut U.S. pressure on China over trade. It could also undermine Brussels' efforts to overcome divisions in the bloc over the best approach to deal with Chinese investments. This week, National People's Congress spokesman Zhang Yeshui said 67 countries had signed up to the BRI rollout in the past year or so. JP Morgan Chase has announced it will no longer provide banking services to the private prison industry. The investment bank sent out a statement in an email on Tuesday. It said the decision was part of a, quote, robust and well-established process to evaluate the sectors that we serve. In the past, JP Morgan has provided financing to both Geo Group and Core Civic, which have both run facilities where immigrant families are held after detention at the U.S.-Mexico border. Last summer, a coalition of nonprofit and political organizations called Families Belong Together called on JP Morgan and Wells Fargo to stop providing financing to both of these prison operators. The coalition claimed that JP Morgan was the single largest lender to the two companies. JP Morgan's chief executive, Jamie Dimon, was interrupted by anti private prison activists during a speech at a conference in December. On Tuesday, a representative of Wells Fargo told the FT, quote, Our exposure to this industry is modest, has declined significantly, and will continue to decrease. A spokesperson for the private prison company CoreCivic said by email that it was, quote, disappointing that decisions like this are being based on false information spread by politically motivated special interests. And the billionaire former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg has ruled out a run for the White House in 2020. Mr. Bloomberg served three terms as mayor and has flirted with a run for months. But on Tuesday, he published an opinion piece on the Bloomberg News website. He said he was confident he'd beat President Donald Trump in a one-on-one contest, but he said that instead, he'll devote himself to supporting other candidates and causes. Mr. Bloomberg said he was, quote, clear-eyed about the difficulty of winning the Democratic nomination in such a crowded field. He warned the Democrats not to let the primary process drag the party too far to the left and diminish its chances in the general election. Mr. Bloomberg is now 77, and with this announcement, he may be ending his career in elected office. And here's a closer look at one of today's big stories. 
Today is the first hearing in the extradition case against Huawei's chief financial officer, Meng Wanzhou. Ms. Meng is facing an extradition request from the U.S. She was arrested in Canada in December for allegedly violating U.S. sanctions against Iran. And now, the Chinese telecoms company is suing the U.S. The lawsuit alleges that a U.S. ban on government agencies buying equipment from Huawei violates the U.S. Constitution. The FT's Washington correspondent, Kieran Stacey, explains where the ban came from and why the U.S. has been warring with Huawei. The U.S. ban was implemented on Huawei last August. That was after several years, really, of build-up, where U.S. officials have been warning for a long time that Huawei technology in the telecoms networks provided a security threat because they said that Beijing could use that equipment to spy on U.S. citizens. So this had been going on since about 2012. There was a congressional report then warning that this was going to happen. Then when the Trump administration came in, I think there was a feeling among some in the security establishment that they had the right guy to implement the ban. They been pushing for for a long time. And since then, the US has actually ramped up pressure on Huawei a lot. What's happened since then? Since the ban was introduced, there's been a few different bits of action on the Huawei front. The first and most obvious one was the arrest of Meng Wanzhou, who is the chief financial officer and the daughter of the Huawei owner. Uh, She was arrested in Canada on US charges of breaking sanctions. You've also had US officials going around the world trying to encourage allies not to use Huawei technology in their own 5G networks. That's been a huge diplomatic push and one that's had mixed success. How have countries responded to that warning from the US? I think a lot of European countries in particular have been sceptical. They've heard the US arguments. I think they understand them and they don't dismiss them out of hand. But they point out, look, Huawei is already there in a lot of European countries. It's built a lot of their 4G networks. Removing that company's technology is almost impossible. The UK, for example, says it can mitigate the threat posed by Huawei technology by testing it in advance to see if there are any vulnerabilities. And I think the UK will probably end up deciding that it can test successfully and will use Huawei technology in its 5G networks. And if that happens, then I suspect a lot of other European countries will decide the same. So ultimately, this big US diplomacy push may have been in vain. And what is Huawei planning to argue in this lawsuit that they're bringing? Their lawsuit is based on a slightly obscure part of the Constitution that says you can't bring a law in Congress that punishes an individual or a group of individuals without a trial. They say that the ban was punishment. The government, however, says the ban was not punishment for anything. It's simply self-preservation. It's the US government taking action to protect its own data and to protect US citizens' data. This has been tested before in a case involving a Russian company called Kaspersky Lab, and a judge ruled that the US government was justified in protecting its own self-interest in this way. So what are the next steps here? What are you going to be watching for? In terms of the trial, um, this first will go to a motion to dismiss. That's what the government will do. And I suspect the case may not get further than that. If it does, it could be a little awkward for the government, although I suspect they will win eventually. However, this is part of a wider pushback by Huawei against the US action on a range of fronts. We've had an op-ed in the Financial Times by its chairman arguing that the US is unfairly targeting Huawei. They've started their own lobbying campaign in other countries as well. And Meng Wanzhou herself is suing the Canadian law authorities for what she says was wrong full arrest. So Huawei have decided to push back. How successful they will be will be interesting to watch. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today we'll be following Gerald Butts, the former top advisor to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. 
He's scheduled to testify to the House Justice Committee in Ottawa. Mr. Butts resigned after allegations emerged that Mr. Trudeau improperly interfered in a corruption case involving one of the country's biggest companies. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for all the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.